People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. Your hosts here in England and Norway. Matthew Russell and Chris Carney. Oh, yeah. An unusual quote this week. Yes, indeed. From the doctor. The doctor himself. Do you know why I'm um, quoting the longest running sci fi fiction drama? Tell me why. Uh, today is the anniversary of Doctor Who first being aired in 1963. Woof. You were very young then. Not born, Chris, as you well know. <laughs> it's not long till we'll be uh, having its 60th anniversary. Incredible. Seems crazy. A fine show it is as well. Over the years, it's had some great little concepts. Hmm. Not much about space. Or is it? I don't know. <laughs> it's time and space. You know, they are a, continu- they are a continuum, Matthew. Do you ever watch Community? Because I really liked their version of Doctor Who. No. I can't remember what they called it now. <laughs> oh, that's really good. We've watched a few of those. It's, a, it's it, a really good show. There's some Ace episodes. Professor Time Lord, I think his name is, or something like that, <laughs> in, in that. But it's obviously a massive Mickey take. But it's very, very funny. Yeah. <laughs> It's also the fifth anniversary of what event, do you think? Um, Is it anything to do with the colour blue? Blue Origins, New Shepherd, which did what? Definitely, it successfully flew into space, but then didn't do something else as well. I think it may be returned to Earth for a controlled vertical landing. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Because whenever we think about that, we these days especially, we think about Elon Musk and SpaceX. But no, it was actually Bezos who did it first. To be fair, he never went orbital with it, mm. which is obviously Musk's claim every time that's brought up. Yeah, But he did land the first stage of a rocket booster down onto Earth. Yes, it's uh, one step ahead in the piddling contest. (laughs) And to be fair, Bezos has got far more money than Musk as well. Yeah. So he always wins on that one as well. Yeah, yeah, just a bit less of of a PR budget, it seems. Very, very secretive. He's much more like... A Bond villain in that respect. Absolutely. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know what? So, so Elon Musk. So... Elon Musk could be the guy that Bond fights at the beginning of the movie, and then basically yep. Jeff Bezos would be the real big villain that emerges later on. I, I do hope if I ever get to interview Jeff Bezos. He, t- he swivels around on his chair with a cat and says, <laughs> I've been expecting you, Matthew. No, Mr. Russell, I expect you to die. <laughs> My name's Russell. Uh, Matthew Russell. Uh, like that. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, that was uh, Roger Moore. By the way, if you were wondering, it was a very good Roger Moore, I have to say. Oh yes, my name's Russell, uh, Matthew Russell. <laughs> I'm still reeling from the fact that we no longer have either of those two people. This is a busy week, so I think perhaps we should crack on. But I, before we crack on, I'm going to do shameless plugging. Yes, yes, do it, mate. Uh, and I almost didn't, but you persuaded me to do this. But uh, yes, I have a second podcast out this week. If any of you want to go and check it out, it's called Recovering Queen. And it's where me and my old bandmates cover Queen songs and talk about them. It's ever so much fun. And uh, uh, yeah, obviously, we're, I, I am the B-Tech Brian May. <laughs> 
I've never heard that before. That's amazing. I am. Um, I'm looking forward yeah. to it, Matt. I'm, and I'm looking forward to being, you know, more um, more converted as a Queen fan than I actually am. You know. After after you listen to the podcast, after a few episodes, you'll realise that they're the greatest band of all time. Let's see. With an astrophysicist <laughs> as their guitarist, not not many bands can um, can say that, can they? D Ream. Yeah, apart from DB. <laughs> <laughs> Both curiously called Brian. Yes, which is yes. odd. Well, and but 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 to be fair, Brian is a is a keyboardist. But you know, you know, that's just splitting hairs, isn't it? Splitting hairs. Yeah, it is a little bit. Yes. Uh, what's been happening this week? Space news. Space news. I think we should get straight on to uh, encouraging people to drink along with our Elon Musk drinking game Correct. if you hear his name yes take a shot um so there's going to be lots of opportunities this week because of course the big news of the week is last week's astronaut of the way yes um has made it up safely to the ISS yes victor glover got there perfectly intact He's the, got to be the most smiley person of all time as well <laughs> he seems to be genuinely super happy about being on the ISS, and everyone seems to be really happy for him as well. I know, noticed. Yeah, <laughs> Kate Rubens is like almost like just couldn't hide the joy of him getting up there, which is which which it kind of almost that's the story you can't lie about that he's clearly a very very popular astronaut. Yeah, absolutely. And she calls him Ike as well. She, <laughs> I, I know everything, which I thought yeah. thought was quite. <laughs> Quite um, interesting. <laughs> I've got a bit. So, of, yes. I've got a bit of a man crush on old Glover there. Yeah, he's 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 clearly the dude, isn't he? Um, yeah. But yes, he he actually described some of the flight, which I thought was really interesting, particularly from a fighter pilot point of view, because mm. you you realise, yeah, actually these flights, they are obviously like better than a fairground ride because it's like you, you, as you're sort of getting blasted into space, you can actually feel the rocket throttling down as it goes through Max-Q. So the Max-Q is that bit where the whole rocket becomes under its maximum amount of pressure that it's going to come under. In other words, if it's going to break apart, it's probably there. And obviously that's because it's getting faster and faster, but it's still in the kind of thick atmosphere. Uh, But then there's a bit where the atmosphere starts to thin out and it's getting faster and faster. But uh, the effect of Max-Q... Yeah, they throttle it down slightly so that uh, the spacecraft has slightly more chance of getting through intact. So it's obviously a mm. scary moment. And then there's staging, the fact that the, obviously the rocket comes apart. And I've, I it actually made me really think about that, about how like being on top of this enormous explosive object and the whole thing coming apart and new rocket engines kicking in and things like that. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. I mean, I, I watched the launch and I just thought it was just the most perfectly executed, brilliant piece of engineering. Like, I, I just thought it was fantastic. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. I didn't watch the docking. I missed the docking, but I watched the I watched the, the launch live. Yeah, J- Jamie was very fond of the docking part. <laughs> but the, uh, the, it was... Uh, 
It was the kick from the second stage as well that I think is really interesting. The fact that you sort of, yeah, you, you, you lose your back end and then suddenly that second Merlin engine kicks in and you, you're back in your seat again. It's like, oh my God. And he said, mm. he, he said the G's weren't that big, but the sort of main thing is that they last for a long time. So even, and bear in mind, this is, this is someone who fi- flies, you know, fighter jets for a living or did. Yeah. And it was a test pilot. So he said he'd never flown for, with that. It's the longest duration of high G he's had. So, you know, yeah. it's it's a brutal it's a brutal trip up there. You've got to be pretty tough, I think. Uh, that's, that's the thing. It's just not, for, not, not everybody can do that. Not everybody can withstand that. And that's, that's one of the special things, isn't it? In Elon Musk's credit. Drink! Drink. Um, it... <laughs> It, the, the the 2014 gamble that was by Bill Gerstenmeier, who is, you know, the guy at NASA who sort of basically, it was his call to hand out the contracts to people and say, yeah, you're going to be taking us to the ISS. They, they were just mm-hmm. going to give it to Boeing, but SpaceX were coming in cheap enough that they were able to give it to them as well. Sort of say, ah, we, we haven't got much money, but if you can do it for this, then do it. And most people were, uh, weren't really for that, and I think even Armstrong and people like that were sort of whinging about the whole the whole commercial idea in the first place. But it is massively paid off that SpaceX yeah. gamble. It just couldn't have paid off better. I mean, it's just absolutely <laughs> unbelievable now that SpaceX are the main route to the ISS, but also they're the main route to space. Full stop for everything. Yeah. For yeah, payloads totally. all around the world. So and and this one is this one really is massive as well. So this week, the Copernicus Sentinel 6 launch. Now, in some ways, this is more important than than the launch to the ISS. You know, they're doing some important experiments, but the Copernicus Sentinel 6 mission is an international collaboration, mainly by ESA. So this is a European Space Agency satellite for all intents and purposes but nasa have, mm-hmm. have helped as well and uh, so nasa and uh, noaa and cness the french national center for space studies or the centre national d'études spatiales uh imagine yes. they just go cness Kin- what's it called cness Guinness. 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 But so um yes, the Sentinel Six, it's incredibly important program. So it the Sentinel Six actually has two satellites. The first one that's gone up is called the Michael Freilich or Freilich. Uh, Michael mm-hmm. Freilich was an American oceanographer, oceanographer who served as the director of NASA Earth Sciences, but unfortunately he died of cancer uh, mm. last year. So they've dis- uh, and he's incredibly well loved person who, you know, encouraged international collaboration and everyone wanted to work with him basically. So they've named the satellite after him. Um, I love how they, they, there's so many, uh, as much as I listen to, to the to the podcast as well, how often, you know, how often oceanography and and, and, and space seem to meet. Oh, they yeah. to have an affinity. Well, yeah. of course, we, we, we've we actually had in Cathy Sullivan, a, a former head of NOAA 
and of yeah. course obviously she was an astronaut as well but yeah i mean they, they they are undoubtedly linked and obviously share assets and things like that but this is so yeah. important this satellite because one of the key measurements particularly when it comes to climate change and understanding the weather and just understanding that the the earth as a gaia i suppose um Mm. is to understand the, is to understand the oceans and what this satellite does is is it bounces radar off the ocean and measures the journey time essentially i mean there's a lot more going on than just that but it bounces down yeah. this it bounces down a signal and then and then receives it it does lots of other things like measure the the wind speeds at the ocean and all those kind of things but um but its main bit of data that it gets out is is to sort of say how much the the average sea level and what's worrying is since they've been measuring this it's been rising by 3.2 millimeters on average every year and in the last few years it started to rise by 4.8 millimeters so that's how accurate this thing is by the way it is measuring down to the millimeter of the average Mm. the average sea level i mean that's incredible isn't it Amazing. And does it make sense that it's something that you can only really do from space? <laughs> you know, yeah, but I mean, unless you've got to lie on the beach with a really keen eye <laughs> <laughs> and a spirit level, <laughs> just do, and an iPhone app. You could do this on an iPhone app. <laughs> <laughs> what did they send that bloody thing up for? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's got a synthetic aperture radar on on there as well, which is which is ever so much the big buzzword in the satellite tech world you see it all the time now so that is high tech as it gets the synthetic aperture raid radar and uh, mm. yeah that it's it does things like have to, has to measure the density of the atmosphere and things like that to to compensate for the speed change and things like that of this radar that's pinging down so incredible piece of gear very very important and was launched this week on the 21st of November by SpaceX you know, that's a, a, a NASA and ESA mission going up on a SpaceX rocket, which just goes to show how in, insanely important, um, you know, how entrusted SpaceX are now. You know, this is, this yeah. is, that's, um, that's big. Uh, one thing to note it's, the, it's the, the the possibilities are just really, really expanding so much. And, and, it, and it's, it, you know, say what you want, bomb villains and all that, but. To use those vast profits for something like this is just, you know, it's just helping us explore so much more that we wouldn't be able to do because yeah. governments just don't give money to, to space anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's if if, yeah, I mean, if it means that the if it means that we can launch more of these satellites and spend more on the instru- instrumentation than just the stupid journey into space. I mean. If you can get that cost down, after all, it's just it's just a journey that you want to get as cheap as possible. Mm. And SpaceX have really, really kind of added to that. Uh, it's mm. actually that the uh, this Sentinel Six satellite that went up, the uh, propulsion system was built here in the UK by Airbus. Uh, oh, so nice. yeah, so the UK do have a big stake in this because we. We give a lot of money to ESA, obviously, and um, it was ESA that sort of did a lot of the procurement. It's quite quite complicated who actually owns <laughs> these satellites because the moment they get into space, it's actually owned by the European Commission, which, of course, then the UK have nothing to do with it at that point. <laughs> it's very, mm. very... Well, 
after December that is. So yeah, it's it's um it's it's complicated, particularly the British involvement. But I suppose you know, and there's yeah. NASA in there, and there's this EU Metsat that are sort of the people that run it. So yeah, it's it's um it's it's a massive international collaboration between the uh, Europe and America to actually. Yeah. Do this thing. There must be thousands. There must be ten, like thousands and thousands of people working on this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is this is massive, and and not you know there'll be thousands of people in the UK just working on the data that it spits out. You know, it's it's spitting yeah. out all this data, and and uh, the Met Office, for example, use the data from the Sentinels to um, to try and work out what the weather's going to be like. Yeah. And you know, and I I use it every day. I went out to the beach just as I knew when it was going to be sunny, and this was something that that was you know I looked at my phone the day before to find out. And you think, crikey, isn't that like that? That's technology, and it and it's from all this data that's being fed in from all these massive satellites. Yeah, I use a dark sky. That's the app I use for weather. It seems to be pretty effective. I actually when yeah. I was. When I was an astrophotographer, when I was doing lots of astrophotography, I used an app called Sat24, which is satellite images of cloud cover. And and you and you could basically mm. see the cloud cover in real time. So you could see the clouds coming. So it's, you know, if if you wanted to know what the what the clouds were going to look like in an hour's time, it was really easy from that app. It was great. Well, yeah. it still is great. It's brilliant. Oh, hmm. I'll have a little look. Have, have, have a little look much. at that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh there's a three disasters coming up here or possibly oh no well, i'm going to start with a non-disaster but it's a bit okay. weird okay so obviously there's seven astronauts now on the iss which is pretty cool which means they can do loads yeah. more work however the two russians both called sergey are wasting their time trying to find out where a leak is coming from so we heard ages ago that the russian zirdir module is leaking and they thought they'd yeah. found the leak and the two cosmonauts went out and tried to fix it but i i've been reading like conflicting things about it that you know when they're out there oh it just looks like a scratch and then they were fixing it with rubber and silver foil. But its I'm not clear that they fixed the leak now. I think it might still be leaking. So it might be coming from somewhere else. Of course they haven't fixed it. It's using rubber and silver foil. I used to use that to fix my skateboard. Well, it's like trying to fix, it's like trying to fix anything without the exact tools, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> trying to fix anything when you've got space gloves on must be like so frustrating yeah. i i get so stroppy if i'm trying to do something and, and everything's not quite right so in a space suit, yeah. i'd go mental <laughs> <laughs> right so they're not going to send you to repair it that's good i think because i don't want you losing your temper up there no 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 just don't make me do anything where i haven't got the right tools i go ah oh. <laughs> don't make me come up there don't make me go up there chris <laughs> uh, it's been a disastrous week i would say for ariane the vega launch it uh, really is actually quite d depressing. So, yeah, uh, mm. uh, that, yeah, suffered its second failure. So up until its first failure a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago, whenever it was, it had never failed before. 
Uh, and then it had got back to normal flight again last uh, a few months ago, and now it's um, it's just suffered its second failure, um, which is bad. Eek. But I, I guess it's the final stage that they that's looking like it was the uh, troublesome spot. Um, so the actual kind of main bit of the rocket was fine, but the Avum stage seems to have had a cable or something like that attached the wrong way round. So every time it tries to correct, course correct, it's correcting in completely the wrong way. So, you know, as because oh. I think this cable controls the actual kind of actuator of the of the rocket itself. So, you know, so it's trying to point the rocket in the right way and every time it changes it, it just... So it's obviously just spun out of control and crashed. This is even more like my old skateboard. Yeah, exactly. It's very much like your skateboard. Everything in space comes down to Chris's skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, I think... It, did your skateboard fall into the Arctic? It did, off, once or just, twice, yeah. yeah. Just off the coast of Yakutia. Yakutia. It did, it did. I never got it back, actually. Well, I'm not surprised. Not surprised. <laughs> The Yakutians are well-known skateboard thieves. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so two two very, very cool satellites have been lost. So a Spanish imaging satellite. And um, yeah, the French satellite called Taranis that was going to study lightning sprites and things like that. So I ah. feel so depressed for all the engineers that have built the rocket built the satellites and all the scientists that were waiting for the data. It's you know that it's it's horrible. So I'm yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't know what's worse either a design fault, which it was last time, or a or human error, which it seems to be this time. I mean, hmm. so obviously design fault is can lead to long delays, but isn't human error just a little bit more embarrassing and? I know it shouldn't, but I am getting super stressed now about the Ariane 5 launch with the James Webb. And that's under a year now, just to, just to, you know, hopefully it's under a year away that we see Ariane 5 launch with a James Webb. But can you imagine if someone, oh my God, if someone if did <laughs> something like that on that rocket, particular rocket, just one piece of human error, and that's yeah. billions of dollars down the drain, let alone a decade of human endeavor. Do you know what I was thinking? I know this is this is we're talking about money here and and and, and effort and, and 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 human endeavor, but when I watched the uh, the Challenger documentary, I the thing that took me back the most was the first launch after Challenger and the astronauts on that first shuttle launch after Challenger. Yeah, had blown up. I just was like that is I was like okay there's brave and then there's that <laughs> then there's ne then there's next level brave yeah i mean i think everyone that yeah. everyone that was on space shuttle flights after that were really brave brave particularly after yeah. after um oh what's columbia as well it's like oh yeah of course yeah a man man yeah i was just yeah i i mean, well i guess that's why it came to an end because actually it was just too dangerous uh, yeah, a, a vehicle yeah. And talking of danger, actually, uh, is the Arecibo dish. So, you know, last mm. week we oh, were God. saying it was 50-50. Yeah. Well, it looks like, no, they've actually decided enough's enough. 
They actually said, oh. yeah, it's so uh, Sean Jones of the NSF said, this decision is not as easy an easy one for the NSF to make, but safety of people is our number one priority. So it's mm. basically there's the, yeah the cables holding up this heavy rece- uh, heavy receiving part of the telescope, eight hundred and twenty tons by the way, <laughs> is held up by eight <laughs> eighteen cables, and 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 two of them have snapped. Um, they're on these reinforced concrete towers, but they're sort of zooming into some of the cables and the cables are snapping though that that last cable snapped too early so it must be well beyond its design capability now it's not as strong as they think it is so all the cables may be in mm. a similar state so yeah at any point there could just be a, this catastrophic collapse. And they were thinking, you know... It's so sad. It's such an amazing thing. It's oh, an absolute wonder. It's, and it is really absolutely. sad, but I guess everything... It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking because the, it's, the only, it's the only telescope of its type. So, because people yeah. think, oh, well, you can just replace it, you know, obviously fast over in China. And there's a few other sort of dishes similar to it. But no, fast doesn't do what... Um, Arecibo does. Arecibo not only receives light, but it beams out light as well. It's a radar telescope. So it actually, if if you could see in the spectrum of light that it's blasting out, it'd be the big beam of light being blasted out into space. And it can wow. beam this light as far out as Saturn and, and get information back. <laughs> But it can't go any further than that because by the time it, the, the the light comes back, the, the globe will have rotated too far. So it you know, so it's it's a really unique facility and it and it's able to do things like uh blast light, blast radar essentially onto asteroids and things like that, and actually see what they look like and how far away. So they've been it's been incredibly useful for asteroid detection and things like that. You know, and it and it was originally mm. built, obviously, by the military for military use. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it, they were trying to look for uh, secret Soviet radar installations by bouncing signals off the moon and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. But yeah, it's 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 been incredibly useful. It determined the rotation period of Mercury as eighty-eight yeah. days, not fifty-nine, as previously thought, and that's only in nineteen sixty-four. So you know, when it was built, it worked out that you know what Mercury's day was like. It worked out uh, the period periodicity periodicity of the Crab Pulsar, um, and you know, which essentially nineteen sixty-eight. That's the, f- the first solid evidence that neutron stars exist. Yeah. Um the the Nobel Prize winning discovery of a binary pulsar by Hulson Taylor in 1974. You know, so this this thing is oh and of course sending out the Arecibo message in 1974 which probably will be the doom of mankind because some uh, malevolent um alien will pick it up and come and kill us. So thanks a lot Arecibo. Hey. It's been a good run. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I it's it's that's very depressing, isn't it? 
I know, but yeah, it's an amazing thing that I won't be standing underneath in the end. I know it's so annoying, isn't it? Because yeah, never get to, never got to visit it, and of course, it's gonna it it will be demolished soon. You know, they're gonna have to do something that will, you know, a controlled demolition before it all starts snapping and massive <laughs> six inch cables. Yeah, you know, six inch thick cables start flinging around and smashing into things. So you know, it's obviously that's going to happen soon. Totally gutted. You know, you know the um, the sort of geodesic looking thing, the antenna, this really heavy thing. It, yeah, it's called the Gregorian yeah. reflector system, and it's got this. Name. It's got this secondary and tertiary mirrors inside to 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 actually make the. You know, this was an upgrade, quite recent upgrade, to uh, help the help the. Um, help the telescope see better in better detail. But I looked up the Gregorian system. So Gregorian, I was thinking, well, what is that? Is it because it looks Gregorian or something? Turns out... Like a no, monk. Looks like a monk. It looks like a monk. But no, it turns out it's, it's, <laughs> it's a type of reflecting telescope that was designed by an astronomer named James Gregory. Now, James Gregory was a mate or really a contemporary of Isaac Newton, almost a rival of Isaac Newton. And mm. um, they both sort of worked on on similar projects at the same time. And actually, James Gregory beat Newton to coming up with a reflecting telescope. So obviously, the most famous <laughs> reflecting telescope is the Newtonian telescope. But yeah, yeah, but James Gregory, his one was built by Robert Hooke a few years after Newton had built his. So even though Newton built his first, Gregory actually designed his before newton so i didn't know that could I we did... call this uh could we call this the, the you know uh, newton's revenge <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> take that Greg. <laughs> yeah totally you can beat me but you can't beat my laws <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, there's definitely newtonian physics at play god you you're on you're on to something <laughs> Uh, ah, yeah. now we we've talked about we've talked about the space mission to the ISS by SpaceX and Elon Musk. Drink, but I drink. actually think the space mission of the year has to go to the Chang the Chang E five spacecraft, the China's. Yes, which hopefully will be launching when this podcast comes out, either today or tomorrow. And yeah. yes, flying off to the moon, and so exciting, so exciting. I just ever since told me about it last week, I've just been like yeah. telling loads of people about it. <laughs> well, like, this is amazing. It is actually genuinely amazing. It's you know, it's it's going to come back with rock that's only one point two billion years old, as opposed to the rock that came from the Apollo astronauts, which is three to four billion years old. And it's really going to fill in some massive gaps about how the moon formed and how the planets in general formed it's going to be it's it's an amazing mission and it all happens before christmas which i just think mm. is just genius so yeah I, i'm that that has yeah. got to be the launch of the week uh, yeah, I mean it's literally like it's it's literally China's reaction to 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 US going get your own rock. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, but yeah, you know, you have got all these Chinese scientists wanting to work on moon rock, and they're being denied. So they're going to have to go and get it, go and get it themselves. Um, yeah, I'm going to come right back to home because this week 
virtually completely uncovered by the press, I should say. I almost missed the story mm. myself, and I'm the space geek in, in the U, here in the UK. Mm. Boris mm. Johnson announced on Wednesday that the UK was getting its own space command. Yes. Did you hear about this story, Chris, or, or did it go? Or did you manage? I did. I did. Yeah, I did hear about it, and and was sort of like peaked. But I, I tried try my best to not ever hear Boris Johnson's voice, so it's quite tricky for me. I might get you to do an impression yeah, in I a tr- second. So, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> go to space. Don't go to space. Go to space. Come back from space. Go to space. Don't go to space. Uh, yeah. Well, so, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's about a year after the US. Uh, obviously set up their space command. But this will be the Commonwealth Mm. Space Command. And Boris Johnson has said it's so we can stand shoulder to shoulder with UK allies. So one suspects that there's a little bit of an American pressure to say, look, we need some help, guys, because space is becoming a bit of a nightmare. And you know that space is becoming a bit of a nightmare because the Chinese and the Russians are massively criticizing this move but you think well of course they are because the russians and the chinese are definitely up to crazy stuff in in space you know it's it's yeah. it's it's mad do you want to do a johnson impression do you want do you know do you want to repeat what he said the uh international situation is more uh, perilous and more intensely competitive than at any time since the cold war and britain must be true to our history and stand alongside our allies to uh, achieve this. We need to upgrade our capabilities across the board. So I went from uh, I went from Prince Charles to Boris Johnson. Do you know there, what? So Halfway okay. through that, it, it really was a convincing Boris Johnson impression. I'm very impressed. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Cheers. Well, you know, wow them at the end. That's that's what they say, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so it's Air Vice Marshal <laughs> Harvey Smythe. You couldn't make that up, could mm. you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is the uh, ministry's He's, first space he must commander. Have a moustache. He, must he must have, have a moustache. Yeah. Imagine going yeah. round his house for Christmas, how genius it would be. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost time for brandy. <laughs> time for brandy, Ed. <laughs> Air Vice Marshal Harvey Smythe is the space commander, and I feel bloody safe as a result. Yeah, me too. Seven billion pound portfolio to spend over the next decade. So yes, you know, nice. this this a lot of this is obviously forced through because the Russians are doing things like that weird satellite that's that keeps breaking up and going back together and inspecting. US satellites and things. So it's, you know, it's mm. space is hotting up as a kind of weird thing. But um yeah. yes, absolutely. A space command is likely to take over the development of Skynet 6 and also mm. will oversee the possible creation of the UK global navigation satellite system now that we've been locked out of Galileo despite the fact that we helped build it. So uh, we're, we're, as citizens, we're not locked out, but our military is, which is still seems a little bit crazy that the Europeans and the and the UK can't work together. It's not like we're gonna, suddenly going to switch sides, is it, from Europe? <laughs> from, I can't no. see us being on the other side to France and Germany at any point. But hey, 
maybe. So, yeah, the, remember the UK <laughs> government spent 500 million quite recently on rescuing OneWeb, which actually has all gone through this week. It's another thing that happened this week. So, we, you and I, Chris, now own a constellation and and we are in direct competition with Elon Musk ourselves us as british taxpayers oh my yeah. goodness that's so exciting yeah. so what what do i get what? you get possible cheap internet access in a few years time i don't know i don't think so Great. but what you might get is what's been this is intriguing i i want to look into this more but um the us space force are paying SpaceX, apparently, to adapt some of their mega constellation, the Starlink, to help with an early warning system. So I wonder if the mm. UK are going to do a similar thing with OneWeb, that, you know, this is going to, that they're going to sort of piggyback various military applications onto OneWeb. And that, and of course, there's this talk of the global positioning system working on one web, but lots of uh, engineers are very dubious about that. But right. yeah, you know, but the UK are, are really pushing into space. We've increased our ESA budget by fifteen percent. So it's all, now again, that's Perfect. that's almost the same amount of money as we spent on one web to put it into perspective. Um, yeah. Lockheed pulled out of Sutherland a few weeks ago, uh, but are looking at Shetland oh. and for a launch in 2021 is what they said. But Johnson at that conf at that uh, at the opening of the Commonwealth Space Command said that there would be a, a, a launch in first rocket in 2022. So. It's it's a good. little <laughs> bit confusing that because Lockheed is saying 2021, but but um, mm. Johnson's saying that there's going to be a new satellite launch site in Scotland launching in 2022. So does he mean Sutherland? Did he mean Shetland? Or did he mean somewhere new yet again? So do you know what? It's almost like he can't trust anything he says. It's almost like it's not. He's not quite sure what he's saying. <laughs> it's all like, like he relies on bunches of people telling him what to do and that everyone seems to be massively incompetent at all times it's almost as if it almost seems like the person who's been telling him what to do seems to have vanished from the picture somehow <laughs> i think it's more i think it's more the you know how hard it is to run a hairdresser's when there's three people. Imagine running a country oh, yeah. when there's thousands of civil servants. I just think it's just impossible. I just think that that at the end of the day, we need a uh, we need a supercomputer to take over. Yes. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, and we just 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 we run the government using some form of machine learning. I'm totally up for that. I, for one, welcome our new computer <laughs> overlords. <laughs> so, yes, OneWeb should be starting to launch again. So 17th of December for Stochny in Russia, Ariane Space should be launching over 36 satellites. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, yes, so that, that they're being shipped out of Florida to Vostochny, and um, the dual production line that builds them is back in service. There's already 74 satellites up in orbit already, so they're going to add another 36. Mm. Only another few hundred to go. Um, obviously, yeah. there's lots of people that are saying, you know, this is, uh, they're, they're a little bit behind SpaceX now with this sort of lull while they waited to get out of bankruptcy, you know, has meant that they've lost a little bit of the march 
that they had. But um, who knows? I, I think a lot of people are saying, you know, this is exciting because it's companies around the world and governments around the world, including the UK, are investing in space technology. It can't be a bad thing. Great. You know, uh, yeah, was, uh, absolutely. We'll see yes. what happens. We'll see what happens. It's a really interesting story, particularly for people in the UK, because obviously not very often that you can say as a taxpayer that you own a mega constellation. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> It's, yeah, it's a yeah, bit yeah. weird, and, and I'm going to start telling people that from now yeah, on. Which say, is, yeah, yeah, uh, but, and we go, but so do you. You've got some home news. Yes, I have got some home news. So Liverpool City Region is going to gain a space hub. So according to LBNDaily.co.uk, Liverpool City Region is to be home to the Northwest Space Hub and play a major role in the growth of the UK's £15 billion space sector. So it's going to be based in Daresbury, where they do lots of amazing physics experiments and things like that. They've got a beautiful physics tower. Um, but the, the, the Science and Technology Facilities Council uh, I've said that in the Daresbury Laboratory is going to open up to become a space hub. So it's a very exciting development uh, that's being reported. And I'm pretty sure my friend, our mutual friend, Alan Cross, has had a little bit to do. I'm sure the, uh, he has. The creation of that. Uh, yeah, I should imagine it's very similar to Harwell in, in Oxfordshire, isn't it? That Yeah, so similar thing. It says, uh, so Steve Steve Rotherham, our, our, uh, our uh, city region metro mayor, said the space sector in the UK is already worth 15 billion a year based on digital and advanced manufacturing where we have international recognised strengths. Uh, when you combine those strengths with scientific assets such as the STFC's Daresbury Laboratory and the Hartree Centre, amongst others, and our plans to make Liverpool city region the most digitally connected in the UK, you can see the huge potential for the space space economy to turbocharge our recovery. Doesn't that sound hopeful? Unbelievable. I think anywhere getting those kind of hubs is really cool because it's it's all the sort of spin-off you get from it as well. You know, you're, you're talking about people working in, in the highest tech areas. And so, you know, mm. even if that pe- people leave that job, they'll go on to work for other high-tech firms and things like that. So, you know, like the, the amount of the amount of things that that brings to a local economy can't be understated, I, I don't think. I think that that's it's very, very cool. It's super cool. Well, for me, it goes back to, um, to you know, uh, David, uh, the uh, the incredible gentleman who, who recovered the Apollo rockets, mm. uh, um, and him saying that, that, that Jeff Bezos, you know, he was doing the bidding of Jeff Bezos to inspire children. And I think things like this are just absolutely brilliant just to be able to go, you know, if it's a school trip or, you know, or just knowing it's there, just having that possibility in in an area where Liverpool, where there's a lot of deprivation, you know, it's 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 a really hopeful thing, I think, for young people as well. Oh, yeah, it's it's brilliant. No, it's really, really, really cool. Super cool. So what, what do you got, Matt? Uh, there was an electron on the 20th of November, uh, a, a, yeah. another rocket recovering from a, a mishap. Um, but this one went very, very well. In fact, incredibly well because they managed to uh, recover the first stage using parachutes uh, and it splashed mm. down in the Pacific Ocean. So that is actually incredible for a small satellite launcher, rocket lab, to, to actually yeah do a first stage recovery. So that's very, very interesting. It also had a very interesting... Um, satellite on board called the Drag Racer from Tethers Unlimited, which is um, a type of 
um, space debris satellite. So it's testing uh, electrodynamic tethers as a way of uh, mm. of of dragging essentially uh, a a satellite, a decommissioned satellite, out of orbit. So it's expected yeah. that this tethered satellite is going to take 45 days to deorbit rather than the nine years it would take if it didn't have this uh, Terminator tape on it. <laughs> uh, <as laughs> well, I'm sure if it's anything to do with drag, I'm sure it's going to be fabulous yeah. and fierce. There was also Noam Chomsky <laughs> on that um, on that flight as well. Which I thought was oh really yeah, gnome, and there's pictures of gnome Chomsky. It's obviously a gnome that <laughs> looks a bit like gnome Chomsky uh, going up into <laughs> <laughs> going up into low Earth orbit as a uh, mass simulator for charity. Yes, yes, yes. that's great. <laughs> so we've got so yeah, Falcon Nine flying this week uh, with Starlink. We've got Long March Five with the Chongi Five the most exciting mission of the year. There's an Angara A5 as well this week, which will be the second time Russians, Russia's big launch vehicle will go. So that will be interesting as well in some respects. Mm. And at the end of the week, uh, a Japanese Certainly. H2A. So that's uh, lots of things going on this week and a couple of Soyuz. So lots of launches to look out for. Lots of launches to look out for. I'm amazed there's enough room in space for it all. Well, th- there isn't. <laughs> there isn't enough room. <laughs> I should actually know one more space debris mission. Then is the is because there isn't much room. Is Astroscale uh, uh, are going to uh, have announced when they're going to launch Elsa D, which is their um, debris removing mission, which is very exciting actually. And again, that's that's um, that's being built a lot in the UK and all the sort of controllers in the UK. So that's super exciting. Again, it's it just goes to show that mm. you know UK are, we we are pretty good at that kind of high tech stuff, and let's hope we, that we keep our space sector post Brexit and that that it actually goes well for us. I do hope yeah. so. I do hope so, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, I'm starting to get stressed by it now. <laughs> yeah, but it will do. Yeah. Come on, it will do. <laughs> let's let's be positive. Um, I've just been a little bit stressed over for the last few yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's not let's not be like Donald Trump and pretend that a vote no. didn't happen. We just got to go with it, Chris. No. So <laughs> I am. I am now, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> because to Ramon is to be like Trump. That's my new phrase. <laughs> <laughs> to Ramon is to be like Trump. Oh, you killing yeah, me? Yeah, I'm. Uh... <laughs> Oh, so Chris, if you were if you enjoyed this podcast, what could you do? <clears throat> what I would do, Matt, is I would go to interplanetary.org.uk. Oh, that's a beautiful place. And it's a lovely URL. And if you especially enjoyed it and were really worried about several things like Brexit and and the James Webb telescope <laughs> and and the Interplanetary Podcast coming off air, then you could go to www.patreon.com forward slash interplanetary and become part of the journey and shore up this sinking ship. Be a spot cut. <laughs> the spot cut. And join in. Ah, oh, <laughs> I, I love the conversations on Discord. 
I've even been introduced to some pretty well, good you know music what? this week as well. I'm going to get involved more. I should get involved. Oh, I, I, yeah, I keep, forget, me, I keep forgetting to get you on the Discord. I'm going to send you an invite, Chris. <laughs> I don't know what on earth I'm thinking. Oh, smashing. Yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what I was thinking there. I, I will, I'll send it over. I, if, you've, if you've seen the second of the three Sainsbury's uh, Christmas adverts, you might recognise one of the voices in that one. It's the oh, one is it you? to his mum. It's me! Oh, yeah. Yeah. beautiful. <laughs> you've got yourself on a Christmas advert. I know, I mean, you know, so I'm, you're, this, I am one of the voices of Sainsbury's Christmas, uh, the Christmas campaign. It's actually quite a, quite a moving little uh, advert, actually, and I worked on it developing the script with them as well to make it sound really natural and stuff. And the best thing is they got my actual mum in to do part of the development. <laughs> <So> oh, <laughs> yes. Had uh, her first acting job, age 71. So go, go Mark Carney. <laughs> will, it, will it make me cry? You might well up a little bit, but, you know, don't, don't worry. It'll all be good in the end. It's, ah. it's, it's very heartwarming. Do you, have your sc- do you have your Scouse accent on or...? I do. I'm putting a scouse on, but um, okay. it's um, it's it's called Perfect Portions because there's three. There's one which is called Gravy Song, which was um, a, a wonderful conversation with the family. You know, like uh, about who's got the best gravy, and then mine was basically about uh, talking to mum. Can't can't be there at the moment. You know, the distance and mm. everything. And then the third one just came out yesterday. So they're really nice. I, I really like them. You know, I'm, I'm a cynical old get when it comes to this type of thing, but I actually really like them. <laughs> well, I guess I suppose, you know, to our US listeners, Sainsbury's yes. is like the big, big food store. You know, it's it's like, it's what what's the equivalent in the States? Is it, is it Walmart? Yes, it's kind of like... Yeah, it's it's because Walmart is Asda, isn't it? Really, but, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like Walmart. It's like a big, it's, it's your big supermarket, really. Yeah. It's not, it's not quite as as uh, as messy as Aldi, but not quite as posh as Waitrose. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the big one, isn't it? I mean, it's like it's the UK's sort of number one or number two supermarket, isn't it? Really, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, if you're yeah. if you're in the states, you can go on you can go on their Twitter and, and find it because it is it is airing everywhere. I didn't didn't think we were going to end in a Sainsbury's advert, but that's good enough good, for me. Would you? Would you? <laughs> Cheers, man! Right, Brilliant. that's it. Okay, I'm going to go and uh, let the Spodcats get on with the rest of their life. Oh no! But please sure, do what, something useful. Please check out the the Chongi Five launch and that mission. I just think that's that's that's. I'm so excited about it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, because it all happens so quickly. Closely. It's you know how yeah, many space missions do happen in like in a couple, you know in a month. No speed space, speed space. It's a speed space mission. Bye bye, Spike. Bye Spike. Bye Spike. Bye Spike.